This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning. I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico. And I'm Lindsay Fitch from Boulder, Colorado. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 23rd, episode 2462. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as the life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. And you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. Thank you for joining us on the fourth Tuesday of each month. You can find us on horsesinthemorning.com. Look for Carter Ranch Horse Western Day icon in the middle of the page. You can find past episodes. And on today's show, Lindsay's going to tell us what we've got planned for ahead. On today's show, we are going to be interviewing Trevor Carter again, and we're going to be going into the next segment of our bridal series. So he's going to be talking to us about the two rain, which is our first show on that this this time this go around so we're really excited to have him on and um i'm really excited to listen to all the cool stuff that you guys have been doing tara because you guys have been traveling around and branding and going to the nrcha derby and all kinds of things so what have you been up to yeah, well, I feel like yesterday was the last of a, a month of things <laughs> that we've been doing. But uh, yeah, we just got back from the Derby uh, about a week ago. We headed out to Scottsdale, Arizona. They were supposed to have the NRCHA Derby in Paso Robles, but the California wasn't opening up as quickly. Um, so we went ahead and moved, or they moved the event to Scottsdale, which... I wasn't really looking forward to the 100-degree heat, but I was happy to have one full less day of driving. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really great to get out and get to a show. It was kind of our first uh, step in the back into the real world, I guess, if you will. Not real world. That's probably not the right way to say it. But I'm not joking. The first truck stop that we got out, I like found myself wanting to skip a little. <laughs> <laughs> on the way in and then I was like oh just walk just play it cool you know like <laughs> so we've left the ranch we've left the ranch yeah. it's so exciting <laughs> yeah normally we do that once a month but uh you know it's been a while so yeah how did the derby turn out for y'all it was great uh Trevor came uh with he made the intermediate open finals, which was one of his goals is there's three levels of, of finals that you can make. There's the open and that's, uh, a certain number of riders that have earned us past a certain amount. Basically they're like the top 25. That number may not be exactly accurate, but they're the top 25 riders in all of the national rain cow horse. And so when they compete, they make the open finals and anybody can make the open finals, but like, that's the only, uh, basically segment available to those riders and then they have the intermediate open and then they have a limited open which is the riders who have won less than thirty-five thousand. so intermediate's kind of between those two so uh, his goal was to make a higher level finals than just the limited open so he made the intermediate open finals and the limited open finals um and ended up placing second in the limited, and I think sixth or eighth in, in the intermediate. So out of 150 horses, yeah, it was really, a, really a great showing for them. And it, and their first show back, and this is probably one of my favorite things. We we just got a cutting pin built here, and Trevor, that's all he's been really focused on is improving his cutting score. And so one of the guys that he really likes to ride with, that's like kind of Trevor's chance to go and ride with people. 
uh, is at the show <laughs> and he was talking to him and he's like, yeah, I really haven't been doing much raining. I've just been focusing on cutting and the guy's eyes went, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he did really well, uh, improved his cutting score. Anyway, it was just a great time and just so many great people there. And, uh, you know, there were certainly new things to navigate. You know, you could only sit in certain sections and the barns were a little more spaced out. Um, just to keep, you know, social distancing guidelines, but, uh, the camaraderie didn't change, which was really cool. So that's, that sounds awesome. And was it just the one horse that you all were showing or did you have multiple horses or how many horses did you take? Yeah, we just took Cowhammer. Uh, that's the main horse that, that Trevor's showing right now. And then we took some of our two or three year olds that are getting ready for their futurity at the end of this year. So this was a good trip for them to go and, you know, get out, get around, see the sights. And we we did kind of their first, I don't know, trip to town back in January uh, when we went to the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. And we were so happy with how quickly they settled this trip. So uh, it was good. It was like, oh, yeah, there's a reason we do it this way. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and how long was that? Was that a week or two weeks or? I think it's like 10 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So you all were there a set up shop for quite a while yeah yeah that's right but i have to tell you this i feel like those I, i've been looking at these things called power bikes or pedal assist bikes have you heard of these seen these surely you have in boulder are those <laughs> right <laughs> uh are, are those the bikes that have like a little self-propelled motor on them yeah. They, yeah. Okay. I think I know yeah. what you're talking about. So like, I just could be late to the party on this, but I've been looking at these. Well, Scottsdale has a deal where you can rent bikes and tour the city. So I, they carried one of these brands that I was looking at because it collapses and you, and I was like, well, that'd be perfect for the horse trailer. So I went to see if I could rent one because I wanted to try it and see what I thought of it. And this thing is amazing. And <laughs> like, it's like the best horse show tool. It's better than a golf cart to me. Like I just couldn't get over uh, <laughs> how awesome it was. So I have to, I have to jump in. Yes. Uh, what do you remember what brand the bikes were? Yeah. This is a rad. Glenn has two rads, not one, two. <laughs> They're so cool. <laughs> they are handy. We, yeah. They are really, really handy. Uh, they have super fat tires, so riding yeah. them around horse show grounds is easy because they have these giant fat tires. And yeah. with the electric pedal assist, you can go all, go through some really impressive terrain very comfortably. Yeah. So I I talked to the rental company. They can't you can't resell these rad bikes. You have to get online. You right. can't buy them at like a dealer. Right. Well, they're trying to get out of them at this rental company because they can't sell them, right? Somebody comes and rides them and then they can't, you know, right. sell them a version. Sell them direct. So I, right, right, right. Yeah. So I I bought at a reduced price their bike, their rental bike. So I bought oh, this used you. power bike. <laughs> Dang. So you got the foldy one too, didn't you? I did. So we're oh, sitting she's in gonna, you have to be so happy about that. <laughs> so we're sitting in the barn, right? And all and Trevor's kind of like giving me a hard time. He's like, You bought a used bike? Like, you know, he just not anyway, he's just Trevor likes to give you a hard time about whatever it is, just for fun. So we're sitting in the barn, and here comes a horse just trotting by. Nobody attached. Uh oh. And so I'm super excited of the bike still. And so I say to the lady, I got a bike. Do you want to use my bike? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Trevor hops on the bike and like speeds down and catches this horse on the middle of the whole showgrounds. And he was like, well, that was, that was a great purchase. Way to, way to get that bike. And so I was like, oh, the bike is part of the family. So, Well, and if, for the people that don't know Tara as well, she loves handy gadgets. Like if it's cool, if it's stylish, if it's functional, if it's helpful, she's like, all over it, like white on rice. They like make her so happy, and she loves having all kinds of like cool little things, and finds the coolest, finds the coolest stuff like that all the time to use. So that's that's awesome. And, and no joke, when I rode it onto the showgrounds, like I hadn't been maybe a hundred yards inside the gate, and there were all kinds of kids there, right? Like riding hoverboards and their bikes. And there were like sixteen kids piled on a golf cart, I think. Uh, and <laughs> this one kid was like 
cool bike. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it got cool points. And it got cool points. This is totally horse relevant though, because it were it's like so helpful to be at a horse show with one of these things. So I'm glad Glenn approves. You know, I'm I'm hoping that they they take over the spot currently occupied by by gasoline powered go karts. I've spent you have too. We've all spent a lot of time at horse show venues, and there's a million (laughs) and one gas powered golf carts, and the whole place smells like a truck stop on a cloud covered day. It's just yeah. crazy. So I'm going, everybody buy an electric bike, please. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes those gas ones backfire. Have you oh, ever heard that? Yeah, that's that's yeah. a joy. <laughs> uh, I have so many golf cart stories from this show, but I'll spare you. Anyway, so. Golf, yeah. cu- golf cart stories are awesome. Yeah. A long, long story short, we weren't able to park our truck at the house we rented. So we had to take a golf cart through Scottsdale to get to our house. (laughs) Well, that's like pretty like usual though, isn't it? Aren't there like Uh, golf carts all over the place in Scottsdale? Cause it's a big golfing community. Maybe I felt like we were the only one, uh, (laughs) (laughs) at least in that neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I was, yeah, we got lots of views out of the bike and the golf cart. So, so yeah. So then we, then we came back and, uh, got back and we two days later had people roll in for our branding clinic so uh and it was just the best we got so lucky we got cool weather and normally the branding clinic is like okay we if we brand five cows in the duration of the branding clinic it's fine like it's a success right as long as everyone leaves with 10 fingers it's a success (laughs) and and we branded every calf on the place. That's awesome. So it's a huge prog- progress from from last time. So the weather was great. We branded everything, and uh, we just had a great time. So and it was our first time doing the branding where we keep the cattle. So like everybody camped out, and anyway, it was just great. It was it was great fun. So that ended. Everyone went home Sunday, and yesterday I feel like I just sort of wandered through the day, like I got through Monday. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I've been up to. What about you? You've been roping and going to some ranch rodeos, and I think you had a birthday. Yeah, so I did have a birthday last week on Wednesday, so that was really fun, and it was just kind of fun to see, I know, everything I kept trying to do to plan something to celebrate my birthday just kept falling apart. And so like originally I wanted to go, I love boats and I've, I probably since the very first time I went on a boat and I don't know, maybe elementary school or middle school or, you know, a million years ago. Um, I've always wanted a speedboat where you could like wakeboard and tube and jet ski, um, or not jet ski or, uh, ski behind, sorry. And I've always wanted one and it's on my, it's on my bucket list. I'm like, I'm going to get that boat. (laughs) I've got a few other things ahead of it, but I'm going to get it. And, um, so I was going to rent one at a lake up in Fort Collins here. And then like everything I kept doing, it just kept falling apart because it was father's day weekend and it was super booked and then people could come and then people couldn't come. And so I was like, okay, I just scratched everything and I just kind of let show up show up whatever was gonna happen and that was really fun so we um I've been roping some and um we've been going over to a friend's place and roping some at their house and then um they start a bunch of horses and train horses and do stuff like that and we were all having a lot of fun it was raining really bad here so we put the steers in their indoor and they don't have a roping chute so they're like well we could just ranch rodeo practice and see what we get done. And (laughs) by the, you know, we probably, we roped for the first couple hours and just had a lot of fun. And then somebody's like, Hey, we better do like a timed event deal and like make teams and do it. And by that point, I think it was like, that was on my actual birthday. So that was pretty fun. And, um, we're like, is this like a new association that you formed in within an hour and new (laughs) rules and timing and (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, And so that was like, I think we started our competition at like nine or 10 (laughs) and that was really fun because then we got super serious. And one of my friends, she just bought 
a horse this week. And so she's learning to rope too. And so we had an all girls team. We had three of us on an all girls team. And then we had two mixed and matched like boys teams with girls on them. Uh, Cause we had an odd number of people. And so that was really fun. And then after we got done doing that, everybody's like, Hey, we should really like put this together and see if we can't get a ranch rodeo team together, which I've never done. And I don't know anything about, um, so that was just kind of fun, like learning how to tie a steer down on the ground and the different ties and, you know, just how to learn how to be more efficient and how to do it. And then we did one again the other night and had a few more people show up. And so that was really fun. And wait, so let yeah. me get this straight. So you, you're now training for a ranch rodeo team? <laughs> I guess so. I think we, yes. we all just... Uh, yeah, decided that would be super fun, and it's really fun. It's, um, I don't know. I don't really know much about doing it. I'm, like, the least ranchy person in the group, so. Uh, <laughs> That's a new phrase. That's a new word now, least ranchy. Are you more or less ranchy than person B? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, my friend's sister, she's really handy, and she's, like, she's a she's a tiny little thing and she is just like super gritty just like jump in there time down grab a hold of them pull them down like i mean she's she's really gritty and they grew up ranching and stuff so she she came and she's going to be on our team and then yeah everybody has good horses and is a lot of fun and um yeah it's just fun to be around so mm, well you're gonna have to get your team entered in art of the cowgirl <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, we're going to start with uh, one here in September that's like $20 an entry. Yeah. <laughs> per person. And uh, I think you can enter up to three times. And then I can't quite remember, but it's um, you rope and brand one. And then there is maybe like a mailbag race, relay race with several people. And then there's one other event. And I can't quite remember which which event that one is yet. But yeah, um, yeah. Are I don't you know. A mail- What's that? A ma- I was say a mailbag race. I used to play Pony Express when I was little all the time. I just, you know, I love to lope. Basically, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love to go fast. Explain yeah. what a mailbag race is. I don't know. Uh, so, well, I've never done it, but from what they explained is. You basically have, you know, a start point and a destination point you need to go around. So like a barrel and you have a mailbag and you like race your horse as fast as you can. And you go around the first, like down to the marker and back. And then you pass off your mailbag to the second person. They go do the same pattern, come back, pass it off to the third person, do the same pattern and come back. And it's the fastest time in your relay race wins. And you can't drop the mailbag. So you have to pass the mailbag from person to person because the clock keeps going as you transfer it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, yep. is part of the race the first person picking up the bag or does the timer start and the first person already has the bag in their hand? I have no idea. Have you Have you done one, Tara? I have not. I would <sighs> think it would be like you cross the line and time starts whether you have the bag in your hand or you're headed to get the bag. But I, I have not done one. So take well, that for whatever that's worth. Here we go. We don't know. Maybe next time and we'll Google that. We'll figure out what, yes. what happens. September. <laughs> we will know. We will know. Yeah. Gosh, the, so, well, you, the variety of events available for people to do with their horses. Is just, it never ceases to amaze me. Just when I think I've heard of everything. Really didn't know that existed either. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you you will have to think about putting Callie on your team, Lindsay, because Callie went like from the beginning of the branding clinic. She'd never been to a branding, never swung a rope. And by the end of it, she had headed, she had healed. She had like done every job. She learned to flank, like set the ropes, you name it. She did all of it. So it was awesome. That's so good. When, when I think of ranch rodeo, one of the first ones uh, that I was at, was they had an event where you would turn all the, like horses were all unsaddled and turned loose in a pen and you had to go in, catch your horse, saddle it, get on. And then like the whole team had to be ready. And then you had to go like put a cow in a pen or something like that. And, um, there was an all women's team 
And it, I remember thinking like cause some, and some of the teams you couldn't like, they had a hard time catching their horse. And we were like, <laughs> Oh, you know, we, we pride, we pride ourselves so much on being able to catch our horses. And, but then that's also when we were learning a lot about saddle fit and shims and I just started chuckling because I was like, oh my gosh, could you imagine if we were like, I need another shim, bring me another shim. And you're like <laughs> trying, to get, <laughs> trying to get your horse saddled appropriately for the See, that's anyway. That's where having a properly fitted saddle and saddle pad is key because tossing on 14 different layers is not going to win you the race. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, no way. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and you had your sim shim assorted before that portion <laughs> of your competition. <laughs> That's so funny. And you guys had some kind of neat people show up to your branding. What kind of people were there outside of your clients and some of the folks that showed up? Well, we've we had a, a company called McFarland Productions come in and just take some photos of the show horses and some video and uh, some photos and video of the clinic. And anyway, so it's going to kind of showcase more of what we do here and some of our different challenges and clinics and stuff. So yeah, that was there. It was really amazing. Uh, you know, I do a lot of the video stuff for our lessons, just the education piece, but you know, the, these guys are professionals. <laughs> and so what they would, they would put together and they did a little promo video on Callie and the stretching that she does with horses. And anyway, you'll love it when you see it. So yeah, we've just, we've kind of been, and, uh, where can people see the video? Don't skip over that. Well, uh, we don't have it yet. <laughs> so well, well, we when just, it when it comes out, where can people see it? Because people yeah. are going to listen to this show in yeah. June of 2024, and they're going to want to know where to find it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it'll be at CarterRanchHorse.com, and then we'll start doing putting some more things on social media and stuff like that. We will make sure you see it okay, if we're now, doing our job right. On Carter Ranch, is there a video section already? Like, there's a button. It's like, oh, that's where all the videos are. No, no, pretty much everything that is videos are kind of, you have to log in, right? You have to gotcha. have an account. So when you us. go so to Carter you Ranch, have... you just go look for the login, start an account thing. Yeah. Got and it. what you want to do is go to CarterRanchHorse.com. And if you scroll down, you'll see lead changes with Western Horsemen. And you can put in your email and it will give you access to one of the video series that Trevor has out there that corresponds with the Western Horseman article. So, uh. And then if you're in that list, we'll let you know when the other stuff is available. So there you go. That's one way to do it. There we go. Yeah. Sh- so maybe we should, uh, oh, you know, we should probably listen to from one of our sponsors, Horseware yeah. with Ice Vibe. Ice Vibe, so, especially in the middle of summer. Can I have an Ice Vibe for me, please? Yeah, listen, we hauled our ice vibes all the way to Arizona and forgot the ice packs. Oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. That'll hurt your feelings. <laughs> it does. And like if you ever needed them somewhere, it would have been there. So Yeah. yeah. Well let's I like know. I I I look at Ice Vibe and it's yeah. I yeah. can't I got mixed emotions when I see that. <laughs> <laughs> a little PTSD right there from forgetting the yeah, ice packs. Well, exactly. There you go. We're going to hear a little bit more about Ice Vibe from Horseware, and then we're going to give Trevor a holler. In the world of horse racing and elite equestrian sports, it's all about how to prepare and repair. Ice Vibe is a truly portable and highly efficient circulation therapy system for your horse. Before activity, prepare to prevent damage by using the Ice Vibe's vibration pads. Repair after the event by using the unique combination of cold packs and vibration to minimize swelling and encourage blood flow. And because it's battery powered, Ice Vibe is truly portable. The essential and affordable tool to prepare and repair. Ice Vibe. You can find out more details about Ice Vibe at ice-vibe.com or horseware.com. Or ask your local tax shop or online supplier for more information about Ice Vibe Circulation Therapy from Horseware. Well, it's time for the Bridal Up segment where we're still going through each of the stages of the Vaquero Bridal Horse tradition. The Snaffle, the Hackamore, the Two Rain, and the Bridal. 
We're progressing through the series with Trevor Carter and gaining his insight on the form and function of each tool, how to choose the best fit for you and your horse, and training tips for using and progressing with each. And this month, we get to progress into the two-rein. So, Trevor, thank you for joining us today to keep continuing through the Bridal Horse series. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk about it. Yeah. So this time we we just wrapped up everything about we've gone through the snaffle, we've gone through the hackmore, and you told us some of the things to look for when you know that you're ready to move out of the hackmore. So what happens next? What comes next and what happens next as far as the two rain? Why do we choose that as the next stage? Well, as you progress from the hackamore. As you're riding in that, you're you're staying out of the horse's mouth to let the mouth mature, to grow some adult teeth. And, you know, ideally, it's getting into the six, seven-year-old year of your horse. And even if you have an aged horse, it's not that big of a deal. But through the hackamore, you try to progress to a smaller size hackamore. So you may start off with a five-eighths, but you start working your way down to a half-inch hackamore, the more refined you and your horse get. And the reason you start going smaller is because you're about to hang a bridle in your horse's mouth. And a bridle, you know, at the moment, just think of a, a leverage bridle. It's, uh, you know, the purchase um, from where the, the mouthpiece goes, where the reins pick up the length of leverage can go anywhere between, you know, three inches to almost seven to eight inches, depending on what kind of bridle you have. But the reason you work your way down to a smaller hackamore so that you can wear your small hackamore underneath your bridle it's very similar to the double bridle in the english world just you have a hackamore around the nose and then you have a bridle in the horse's mouth okay can i ask you one question that i don't know that we covered in the hackamore but sometimes i feel like when it goes when you're talking about a bit or a halter even that thicker you actually kind of like thicker to thinner is more of a progression like, oh, I need more, like there's less to lean on in a thinner, right? So a lot of times a halter, like a web halter, you might choose it for a certain reason or you might choose a rope halter for a certain reason and the rope halter is thinner. And then like certain bits are of a certain width are allowed, whereas if they're too thin, they're not allowed. So it actually seems to me like with a hackamore, you're actually progressing to thinner instead of trying can you, so how, wh- why is that different? Does that make so sense? So the hackamore works off of, yes, it sure does. Uh, so the hackamore works off of, you know, the, the weight, the weight of the heel knot. That's what sits underneath the horse's chin. So the, the bigger the hackamore, the, the larger the signal is. And okay. as you refine, once the horse starts feeling the boundaries of the hackamore and starts understanding the function of it, you start progressing to a more flexible hackamore and a smaller diameter hackamore. And that just proves you wait till your horse proves that he's not going to push, that she's not going to lean on the hackamore. Um, And so that's why it's such a nice progression is because it's, it's to honor your horse's understanding of how not to push on pressure. So that's why you progress from a larger hackamore to a smaller hackamore and and yes it is different than what you're saying with the other tools so you want to progress to a smaller hackamore so that your horse can now start wearing the bridle and you can use your your small hackamore under the bridle so that your horse can pack the bridle around without you picking up on the reins okay so sorry to digress so now no problem so now just Tell us about the different parts that go on the two ring, right? So that we know so, what, what we have to have in order to learn how it works. So usually, you know, depending on what kind of bridle you get. And, and now that you might have gone on people's websites and looked at hackamores, you might start looking at some bridle bits. And you want to look at the bridle loops. So the bridle loops are what connect to the head stall. And on most bridle bits, those are going to be bent outward. And that allows the hackamore to rest against the horse's nose. Because uh, if the bridle loops are straight up, that, that hackamore, that two-rein hackamore, uh, is going to be pinched underneath there. So 
for the educated eyes now that y'all want to go out and look on websites for bridal bits, look for the bridal loop that is wider. And, and the two-rein hackamore is much smaller than a regular hackamore. Your regular hackamores range from an inch uh, to three quarters, five-eighths. And when you start getting into a half inch, that's where you start looking at a two-rein hackamore. That's where I, a two-inch, or sorry, a half inch uh, to a three-eighths. That starts fitting underneath a bridle. And the reason you do that is because the bridle bit, depending on your mouthpiece, uh, some have a half-breed mouthpiece, some have Mona Lisa's. These are the ports. These are the mouthpieces that will lay on the horse's tongue. And, and some of these bridle bits vary uh, in size and weight and structure. And so depending on the sensitivity of your horse or how familiar your horse is with a bridle, uh, the two-rein process allows your horse to wear the bridle for an extended period of time without you having to pick up the bridle reins. So the horse goes through all of its daily maneuvers, and you still have your hackamore as a reference point while your horse learns to balance the bit in his mouth. So that's the beauty of this. You don't just slap a bridle on and go back to reteaching your horse everything you already progressed uh, from the snaffle to the hackamore stage. Uh, the two-rein allows your horse to mature in carrying the weight of the bridle. I don't like saying the weight because it's not heavy, but it's just a balance to where the horse learns all the fundamentals of carrying the bridle before you start using it. So, so it's when similar you... to how... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. So it's similar, if, if y'all can think back when, you know, typing was a necessity and we all had to take keyboard lessons, uh, you had to have your left hand on the keyboard and you had to have your right hand on the keyboard, but they had to be lined up so that you knew how and where to type all the correct letters, and your thumbs hit the space bar, not your pinkies. So the, the two-rein process is allowing the horse to get the correct position uh, and, and be able to function with that bridle in his mouth. Hmm. I like that analogy. That makes sense. So when you, when you go into the two-rein you've progressed to this smaller hackamore and it would be half inch. Is that the right size? Is that what you said? That, yeah, that's as big as I would go. Yep. Okay. And then you've, you picked the bridle. Do you, do you I have several questions about this bridle part, which without trying to take us to the next step, but do you have reins attached to the bridle or does your horse just carry it? And that depends on the sensitivity of your horse and how experienced you are. And so, you know, on a, on a daily basis, I move my horses around anywhere between one minute to, you know, the session might last an hour. I'm not sure, but I try to do some groundwork with my horses. So I, I when I introduce the bridle, sometimes I'll take the reins off because the, the weight of the reins, the rawhide reins and the rein chain, that just might interfere a little bit. And so I might move my horse around on the ground, letting him wear the bridle, let him get used to the cricket, letting him get used to the movement in there. Uh, and then I'll slowly progress to, to, to attaching the reins. And sometimes you can, you can hobble your reins. So you all can imagine uh, the loping motion or the cantering motion. Uh, it might swing those reins really strong because your, your bridle reins are really loose and, and they're draped. Uh, that rein might really swing over the horse's head uh, to the other side. So what you could do is you could use a, a small piece of leather and just hobble your reins together. You just tie them together and no longer than your chin strap. And that'll just make the motion of the reins uh, a little more subtle for the horse to get used to. But for the most part, uh, your horse would be getting used to the function of the reins through the hackamore and the snaffle. Uh, so it wouldn't be a big deal. Usually the most sensitive horses, you just want to take proper precautions. So Trevor, I have a question. Um, you just used a lot of different terms about all the different pieces of the bit and the reins and the rein chains and all the different things. And I'm a super visual person. So like if I were to like look at a picture of what you're talking about, could you go through and like tell us what are all the different components of what it makes it up, makes up a two rein and then kind of tell us what each one of those terms are and then what, what that does in the, in the function of it. You bet. 
And so what goes on the horse's head first is your two rein hackamore. So that's, that's the same hackamore setup. It's a, uh, it's the McCarty rein. It's the, the size of the hackamore is a half inch or smaller. So it's pretty thin, about the size of, you know, most pinkies. And so that goes on the horse's nose first. And then that's, that's going to be the main source of communication when I ride. And then on top of that, I, I hang my bridle bit. And so I've got the head saw, I've got the bridle, I've got a pretty loose chin strap. And, and what I've, the, the tradition of the bridle reins are usually Rommel reins. And they're usually made out of rawhide or kangaroo. And they, they've got a lot of braided buttons on them. And so what you do is to protect that material, you connect the reins to the bridle using rain chains and those vary anywhere between six inches to a foot and this is similar to what you might see on a mccarty line like a a rain leather it's a it's a it's a it helps the signal of the bridle go from the reins to the mouth but more importantly what it does is it protects your reins when you go and water your horse at a water trough it keeps the rawhide from getting wet because rawhide is you know, it, it, it's dried. So if you get that wet, it will reduce the strength in your reins. So the rain chains have a, a, a lot of functions. It protects your nice rawhide Rommel reins, and it creates a, a signal, a delay of pressure to your bridle bit. And, and the bit, like I said, it goes over the two rein hackamore. Um, your chin strap can be pretty loose because your horse is going to be you know, it's not going to be pulled on. And, uh, yeah, that's all there, there is to it, I should say. <laughs> so I give you a better is, picture. Yeah, much better. And what about like you, I've seen a lot of horses that, you know, people are riding them in a two rain and you see some of them that do have rain chains and then some of them that don't. And so, you know, like my question would be, if I was going to go out and do that, like I would want to make sure that, I was doing it the right way, not just like, you know, being a gunsel doing it. So what, you know, does everybody use them or because you see a combination of both. So is it preference? Is it style? Is it like what, what would cause somebody to choose to use rain chains or not use rain change? So it, it could be based on, you have a lot of horses that are in that stage because your reins might be very long. And so the reins can, range anywhere and i'm talking about one side of the rain can range from four feet to three feet and so depending on your horse's neck those rain chains add another foot to your rain so if you're doing a lot of work if you're roping um if you if you having to get on a shorter rain having all that excessive rain uh, might get in the way of handling your horse the proper way or some people have a lot of different bridles so what some people do is they put a little snap on the end of their rein so that they can interchange their reins uh, per bridle per horse. And so if, if you have one horse and you plan on having one horse and you want to go through the stage, uh, you try to fit your reins to fit the horse's neck. And, and some, most Rommel reins come with a, a hobble at the end of it that you can tie directly into your bridle. But like I said, the rein chains are there uh, more to protect your equipment uh, when you go to water and it's also to offer that signal. So some, if you don't have the rain chains, it can apply a direct pressure to your bridle. It's all preference. Lindsay. It's, it's what you want to do, but that's why you might see some people not having rain chains. Uh, they, they just prefer to have their reins connected to the bridle. So when we, and, when we show horses, Oh, sorry, Lindsay. So no, when, when we show horses, sometimes, uh, the movement of the horse, the fast action of a horse working a cow, sometimes those rain chains, uh, based on physics, I don't know y'all can do the, the math, but the rain chains might get hung up on the bridle and it might shorten your rain. Um, and so that's why a lot of people, when they go to show horses, uh, they have the reins snap onto the bridle so you don't run that risk. But for the most part, we may not be going that fast. Uh, the rain chains really serve a nice purpose. I see. So sometimes it's also whatever kind of job you're going to go get done too is the choice. Yep. Cool. 
And then I know you talked about Ramel reins being the preference choice as opposed to split reins or roping reins or something like that. Can you tell us a little bit about why that is? And, and that's just tradition. You know, I, I know when I was going through this process, I, I had a, I had a budget that I had to fit uh, myself to, and I, I used um, uh, roping reins. So with the Rommel reins, what that allows you to have is you have the reins that are continuous, like roping reins, and then at the end of it, you have a Rommel, and that ranges anywhere between four to six feet. And, and that's, that's a tool that's it's like a quirt on the end of your reins, uh, or like a crop. So that would be the most traditional way you would do something. But uh, you, you try to use what you have. And what I like about the Rommel reins is they stay consistent at a consistent length. And so I can let, so if everybody holds their left hand out in front of them, like they were about to drink a, a red solo cup, you have your thumb towards you and your index finger out. You would lay your Rommel reins on your thumb and then you would put your Hackamore reins over that. And what you would do is you would leave your Rommel reins really, really long because you're not using your bridle. And you would use your right hand to uh, lengthen or shorten your hackamore reins through your left hand. So having the Rommel rein uh, just allows the consistency of your reins and the weight of your reins to be a, a nice function. But uh, it, it has more to do with how you're going to hold your reins in the two rein process. So do you, you're going to use. So do you set a, like, is it this, a certain length? So, okay throughout the entire two rein process, my bridle reins are this length and my hackamore reins are this length, or do you try to progress to a different ratio of contact from to each of those? What I try to be, I try to be a little safer. And so when I started riding in the two rein process, I was told if you do a fast job, use your hackamore. But if you do a simple job, you can start introducing your bridle pressure. So, you know, if I'm opening a gate to allow me and my horse into an arena or into a pasture, then I'll try to, to maneuver my horse using the bridle. That doesn't sound like it's a very difficult job. But if you're, if you're trying to sort cattle, if you're trying to work a gate sorting cows and calves off, that's a little higher risk, a little faster pace. You don't want to be jerking your horse around on the bridle if they're really naive to it. So the, the, the nice thing about the progression of the hackamore is now you've worked your horse to where he understands the hackamore and probably the, the, the fast jobs require the hackamore and you can use two hands with that. You can lay your Rommel reins over your horn and use two reins for that. And as things start to get more familiar with your horse, that might be two months into the process. That might be longer depending on what you can gauge with your horse you might start introducing your bridle what i try to do all my dry work so all my arena work all the stuff my horse is very familiar with i will i will try to start off with a long bridle rein and then i'll try to take up a third of it and then by the end of that dry work i might have two thirds um of the bridle rein engaged and one third of the hackamore and you'll be able to feel your horse out and say, oh, my horse got a little lost there in the bridle. So let me work him a little more on the two-rein hackamore. So it's more of a feel thing. But for the most part, a rule of thumb is fast work, use your hackamore. Easy work, slow work, you can start introducing your bridle. There's just so much to know. And I feel like <laughs> I don't know any of it. It's, my, it's a little mind-boggling. Is there? Well, that, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tara. No, no I just was going to say, I feel like it, it makes sense when you say that do a fast job and a hackamore and it, it all makes sense that it's doable, it's achievable, but just kind of having a framework within which to make the decisions, like what you said yeah. about, you know, which for my horse, for myself, for my job, you know, if you kind of have those three things to make your assessment in, then you, then you can figure out what's the next right move. Uh, so yeah. And probably the, the hardest transition that I see a lot of people make is riding one handed too soon. So I start a lot of horses for folks and, um, you know, we, if they're 
colts, we start them in snaffles and ride them in hackamores, and we two-hand them a whole bunch. And and some folks, you know, their questions at the end of the training are, how well does he ride one-handed? Well, to do it really, really well, it, it takes a process. And, and that's what I feel this two-rein process helps give your horse the most clarity, is riding from one-handed, or riding from two hands to one hand. And not to confuse you anymore, but think of the double bridle, how you've got a certain set of reins uh, on your, coming through your ring finger, and you got a certain set of reins coming out of your pinkies. And so each one has a certain setup. You can do that with your hackamore reins and your bridle reins. So you can ride, I would say, and I don't like putting time frames on it, but I'm going to say the first three months, you can ride two-handed in the two-rein process, slowly introducing that bridle using your two-hand mechanics that you use through the hackamore and the snaffle stage. And as you and your horse become more familiar with the tools, you can start just like you did in the snaffle, just like you did in the hackamore. You can start bringing your wrists together and start emulating riding one-handed. And then the progression should start making sense to your horse to where you can now put your two rein reins on the horse's neck and solely use the bridles, the bridle reins. And when your horse gets a little confused, you can reach down and reference your two rein hackamore to give your horse a better idea of what you're asking. So that that's the nice thing about the two rein is it, it gives the horse a buffer from going from the two hand riding to solely one hand riding. So I know sometimes you'll go from a snaffle to a hackamore or hackamore to a snaffle. Like you don't, I mean, I know you're supposed to progress from one to the other, but you always are doing your best to adjust for the horse. Do you ever go from the two rein back into the hackamore or back into the snaffle to help a horse? Or is it like, no, actually you have everything you need once you've moved into the two rein stage? I would say the greener I am, yes, I'll go solely back to the Hackamore stage. Uh, but once you get more experience uh, and, and have a, a stronger skill set, and really just when you have a better belief in what you taught your horse in the snaffle and a better belief in what you taught him in the Hackamore stage, the two rein, you'll be able to uh, help your horse through those difficult spots. So if I'm green and I'm really trying to figure out these tools, you bet go back and reference just the hackamore just reference the snaffle help yourself give your horse the best answer possible don't sit there and make it a rule and say i'm in this stage i cannot go back no you you want your horse to succeed so uh, don't have any shame in retreating back to where it makes sense to you and your horse in some of the previous segments you've talked a lot about about what you like for them to feel like in a snaffle or a hackamore or something like that. And I don't know if this question will be too abstract, but like, for instance, like for me and maybe some of our listeners, I've never ridden a horse in a two rein. So I would have no conceptual idea, even if I bought all the gear and I put it on, (laughs) even if like you rode off for the first 10 minutes, what that should feel like. And so like, without getting into like all the training parts of it and different things like that, is there, you know, in some of the other ones you've described, well, it feels a little bit like this. And that's what I really enjoyed about bridle horses and why I got into it. Is there an example or like a explanation for those of us that are more like kinesthetic or like visual learners that would kind of describe what it feels like when you're riding them around once you've put them in both? And I don't know that that question even maybe applies. You might have to stop me, Tara, but well, just kind well, of I was, a, a great question. I've got an answer well, Although I was thinking like basically when you put the two rein on, if you feel A, you're like, all right, let's keep going. Or if you feel yeah. B, you're like, whoa, let's re let's regroup. Yeah. That's exactly. I'm like, how do yeah. you like, okay, now the gear's on and now we're going. And now what? <laughs> yep. No, I can relate. I and this is why it it is such a neat tradition. It it honors your horse. It shows that your horse has graduated from each of these stages. So the, to answer your question, Lindsay, I want everybody to think back uh, to when they graduated, whether that would be graduating kindergarten, graduating junior high, high school, 
or college, what is that feeling the next day when you're like, oh, well, now what? I've got all this education. What do I go do? What, what it will feel like, it'll feel like that next day after graduation. You might have all these plans. You might have already had all this knowledge, but you have to go out and experience to put forth what you put in. And so all the work that you did in the snaffle and in the hackamore, you're trying to resemble those feelings, but the two rain, it's going it, to, it's more articulate. It, it gives the horse more options for you to give them the communication. And so I, I can't describe the feeling. I can't describe um, what you should be doing. Now, obviously, if, if something is really troubling, you know, you pull left and the horse goes right, you know, you got to go back and assess what you taught them. Uh, but for the most part, it, it's a new beginning. It, it's, a, it's a very uh, unique scenario that you and your horse are going to be in. So you want to have a forgiving mind uh, during those first couple of times you ride off with that equipment. It's similar to what the Hackamore was. When we did our Hackamore segment, I said, first five rides in the Hackamore, people may want to throw their Hackamore away because they won't be happy with the way their horse feels because it's such a different, it, it puts responsibility on the rider versus the horse. Uh, but if you trust the tool and trust the process, that that will help evolve your horse. And same thing with the two ring. You know, if you if you go about it uh, to the best of your ability, and you know we're not ever looking to to do do something to our horses, um, your horse will feel and be forgiven to you, and and yeah, you, you just help you and your horse have success the best you can. And that's where questions come in. You know, if you ever do hit a stage where uh, you're like, man, I'm I'm really up against a wall. Uh, find somebody that's knowledgeable in this, and and they'll be happy to help you out. I'd be happy to help you out if you had any questions as well. But that's the feeling I want to get when I hear that question, Lindsay. I'm like, yep, I I, I know what you're talking about. I I know I feel you. I hear you. Um, but it's like that day after you graduate. Well, well, now what? What's the next step? So it's the unknown. Uh, but that's why you go and try it. You go and try to trust what you taught your horse. And you trust your skill set and you try to increase it and learn from it. That's great. Thank you for sharing, sharing all that. And those are good questions too, to just, and if you, and if you were here during the live episode, you have Trevor's number, so you can call him with your questions. So just like he said, (laughs) 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 Uh, well, good. Well, we talked a little, yeah, I know. Well, thanks Trevor for joining us. And uh, we're talking a little bit about how, headgear and how it fits and kind of the things that we're looking for. And we talked earlier about saddle fit and, uh, Jen, why don't you tell us some other things that we can do to, to better help fit things to our horses, fit our equipment to our horses? Well, I tell you, even if you are not in the, the race where you have to saddle your horse, you're going to want to have a saddle and a saddle pad that fits properly because you can take one and mess up the other. And the place to go for that is going to be Total Saddle Fit because Total Saddle Fit, makers of the Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Cinch, which many of you are familiar with, they now make the perfect saddle pad. And it's going to rock your world. It is made from 100% wool felt and it has three key features. It has a totally open and free wither freedom cutback so that you don't ever have pressure on the horse's withers. It has an open vented spine channel to keep your horse's back cool and comfortable. And it has a seamless design with optional fitting shims. You referred to those shims earlier, if I remember right, Tara, so that you can get (laughs) your saddle to fit perfectly. And it's all one piece. You don't have the, you're not shoving things in at the last second. You put them in there, they stay in there and it works great. And it comes in three different sizes to fit most saddles, the 28 inch barrel rounded, the 30 and the 32. And because Total Saddle Fit is very confident in their products, free shipping and the use it and abuse it guarantee when you order from Total Saddle Fit. You can ride in it for 30 days. And if you are not totally thrilled, you can return it if you don't like it. You can just go to totalsaddlefit.com. They have a really easy to navigate webpage and you will see right there 
the perfect saddle pad. So check it out today. And I want to say thank you because Total Saddle Fit and the Shoulder Relief Cinch, the perfect saddle pad and their many other products have been supporting the Western episode here on Horses in the Morning for quite some time. And we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thanks for supporting the episode and for most importantly, supporting our horses. Yay! Now I have a quick question for y'all before we wrap things up today. Okay. Because I am the most non-ranchy person in the room. (laughs) (laughs) By far. Talked about different types of reins a lot on today's show. And being a non-ranchy, primarily Western or primarily English person, there's a lot of different reins and they have special names in the Western world. There's split reins, which are just plain old leather or some material. It's two pieces that are not attached permanently to one another, one for each side of the bridle or the bit. So I get that. That's what they look like. And then you talk about roping reins and rommel reins. And then there's gaming reins, which I think are kind of like roping reins. So if I have roping reins, Lindsay, what do they look like? To me, roping reins are more of like, it's just a continuous loop. So like, think like an English bridle rein, but without a buckle in the middle. So it's one piece of material that attaches on each side to the bridle and that's it. It's just one piece. No buckles, yeah. no extra stuff. Okay. Correct. So I think of I think of the reins when you drop them on accident. A split rein, one is hanging off to the side, and you not only have to lean forward and get your horse to bend its head a little. Uh, <laughs> and then for the roping reins, all you have to do is make your way up to your horse's ears to get those back. I love it. Yes. So if you're prone to dropping things, don't use the split reins. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can just know what your horse is able to help you with in retrieving them. There yeah. we go. So Trevor talked about the Rommel rein, which when I went out, was it two years ago now already? And did the ranch riding weekend out at your place, the bridle I used had rommel reins and I was utterly confused. I'm sure I was, he kept telling me I was holding them wrong and I, I apologize because <laughs> I'm not ranchy. Um, explain to me exactly what rommel reins look like hanging there on the horse. So they look like a English rein, I would say like they're, but they're a braided, they're braided and they're round versus flat. Okay. So they, is it one piece or two pieces? It's well, it's one continuous loop, okay. right? But instead of a buckle, there's like a little piece that goes like where the buckle would be. There's actually hmm. Is it like a pigtail? Um I don't know. I'm not sure. Because you have it, it looks kind of like a roping <laughs> rein. It's one piece and it attaches to the bridle on each side, and there's there's no yeah. way to separate it. It's just one long piece. And then smack in the middle, where on an English rein, there would be a buckle so you could separate it, or if yeah. it was split reins where you would separate them, there's this little taggy piece that sticks out. Yeah, it's like you kind of, if you held the reins by the middle, you know, between two fingers and kind of held them up, it's like someone did, like, wrap a ponytail holder around the top part. So there's this little loop, and what that what that what attaches to that little loop that it made is the Romal part, and that's the long piece that comes off the end. So, to me, an English rider rides with a looped rein and a crop, right? And this is a looped rein and a crop attached, attached combined to, to one piece. Got it. Okay, and then I, that's kind of how I compare the two. I mean, across a discipline, like, I don't know. How would you say, Lindsay? It's no, Lindsay, it's, it's who is medium like, ranchy. Lindsay is medium ranchy in the group here. Okay. <laughs> and, and more Englishy than me. <laughs> well, like a, some, most of the um, double bridles that I've seen, a lot of times you have a keeper on your curb rein that creates that same little eye on your thinner curb rein, right? Would you, have okay. you, yep. you, would your experience agree with that? Jen? Yeah. The cur- yeah. The curb rein's narrower than the snaffle rein. Yep. And then a lot of times there's a keeper instead of a buckle on your curb rein, right? Like there's a small keeper at the, where like the middle point would be so that your curb rein starts to have a little eye in it. Mm, I'm not getting the picture on that one. (laughs) Well, well then never mind. (laughs) But, uh, 
I don't know if that's helpful at, at all, but it, most of the, some of the double bridles I've ridden in, your curb rein is obviously thinner than your snaffle rein, and then there's like a leather keeper on your curb rein so that you can like slide that keeper down on your curb rein, and it creates it's like a like a scarf slide on your curb rein. Oh, yeah, okay. that's a good way to describe it. That was a perfect way. To I've never it. ridden. Yeah. I've and never ridden a bridle with that on there. Interesting. And then, so then it kind of creates that eye and that's where your, like, your ramel would attach onto that eye. Interesting. It's like that. But on the ramels, that's typically doesn't slide like that on that, where that part, where the, typically in your ramel reins, it does not slide to create a bigger or smaller opening for where your ramel attaches onto your reins. It's just a fixed Got it. It's just a fixed eye, just like you would have in your rope halter, where gotcha. you tie. Oh, okay. So that so that it's it, so that it can move around, so that it's not. Gotcha. I see what you mean. There's a little ring there that it all attaches together on. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And now one more, just to confuse things even further, the reins that go on a bosal. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of length to that thing. It goes here and there and everywhere and back and forth. Can you kind of? Yeah. Is there a special name for those reins? Makate or Makati or Makardi. Okay. And yeah. here all this time I thought those I thought Makate or Makardi was um, a beer. I yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I thought that was the material it was made of because I've seen mm. I most often when I see a Rumal or Bosal on a horse, the reins are made of what looks like horsehair or cotton braided rope. So that is the type of rein. Now it attaches to the bottom knot of the bosal, it goes around and then reattaches again to the bosal, and then there's this extra chunk. Yeah, that's the part. So it has a lead rope. So when I look okay. at the four types of reins that you talked about, I feel like it goes with a split rein, and then you have a looped rein or a roping rein or a gaming rein. They kind of fall into the same category, and then you have a makati rein, and that is like a looped rein, but also with a lead rope so that you can be riding and get off and lead your horse and just, you know, loop your rein around the saddle horn. Uh, And then you have the Romal reins. So So. the the Makati rein, it's a loop rein in that there's no buckle in the middle to create a left and a right rein. It's just one big long loop. And that extra piece I see hanging there is to be used as a lead rope. Now I get it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I feel so much also- more ranchy. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and you can use a Makati rein on a snaffle also, but you got to have rein leathers or slobber straps. Ah, or now so, I, I'm sure there's no tradition for this, but if you wanted to, you could use a Makati rein on a snaffle and then attach the lead rope part of it to a halter that was worn on the horse's head. But that wouldn't be traditional at all. Uh, and I don't really know no. that it would work that way. No, it wouldn't work. Okay, see, d- scratch that. We're going to cut that out of there. Yeah, <laughs> because the Makati rein, the Makati rein is all. So, like, let's say a looped rein is ten feet. A Makati rein is twenty-two feet. Yikes! And it's it's all one thing. So it's how you tie it up on the hackamore or how you tie it up on the snap. Oh golly, my head's starting to spin. That makes the loop and the lead rope. Think of it as it's essentially like a get-down line that's attached to your reins. It's an extension of your rein that acts as a get down line. Does that yeah. make sense? A little bit. <laughs> I think I get it. I had to. I had to search my memory banks and remember what a get down line is. So, what is a get down line? <laughs> That's coming in the bridal series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Well, we'll we'll defer to Trevor on that one. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, a get down line. What? Well, how would you describe it, Tara? Well, it's when you're in a bridle, a lot of times you'll have it tied. It's a shorter rope, but it's tied around the neck. Um, and then it serves as a lead rope, but it really just goes around the neck. It gotcha. doesn't. It's a neck rope. So, yeah. That you have on your horse while you're riding it. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, when you, and then so when you're not you pulling your horse around by your bridle bit, right? There you yeah. go. I think that's right. a brilliant thing to have. Yeah. And especially because the bridle, if you pull on the reins, it like, it changes the angle of how the bridle sits in your horse's mouth. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to be bleeding the horse by the bit. That's not ideal. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now that I have thoroughly muddly, muddly, muddied the waters, <laughs> I think we need to wrap and things I, up again. I just looked up for you, Jen, the origin of Makati and what it literally translates in Spanish to is horsehair rope. <gasps> oh, I feel 
feel I feel vindicated. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Typically made from a material such as horse hair, but can also be mohair, which is a long-haired goat wool. Makati literally means horsehair rope translated in Spanish. Yeah. Ding, 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 and ding, 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 ding. Yeah, there you go. It could be made from parachute cord or yacht braid. It could be made from a lot of different things, but yeah. See, you had it right. There we go. Well, thanks for tuning in today. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our events or challenges, you can contact me via carterranchhorse.com. To reach Lindsay, you can go to horsesinthemorning.com and just use the contact button. And you can also find links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for the iPhone and Android. Go to our app store and search Horse Radio Network. You can also listen on iTunes and your favorite podcatcher. Speaking of iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review your favorite podcast. Five-star reviews help others find the show. And thank you, of course, to our sponsors, Horsewear and Total Saddle Fit.